Welcome to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. We've got a great episode for you today, uh, book two, episode six, The Blind Bandit. Team Avatar continue their search for an earthbending teacher for Aang with little success. At an earthbending tournament, Aang finds a talented, blind, earthbending girl named Toph, whom he recognized from his vision in the swamp. Unable to leave her overprotective parents, she cannot become Aang's instructor, and although she saves Aang after he is kidnapped, is forbidden from fighting any longer. To escape her plight, she runs away from home and joins the group, assuming her role as Aang's tutor. Thinking the Avatar kidnapped her, Toph's parents respond by offering a chest of gold for her safe return. I mean, we may as well not have done the overview for this episode. There's just too too much uh, in the not getting covered there. It doesn't even... <laughs> There's no justice. In a shop in Gaoling, Sokka contemplates purchasing an expensive bag. Aang and Katara leave the store, and while Sokka finally makes his purchase are approached by a man handing out flyers for a local earthbending academy. Katara convinces Aang to check it out since he needs to find an earthbending master. Aang uses the flyer's coupon to receive a free lesson from Master Yu. However, when Master Yu attempts to sell him a year's worth of lessons, Aang declines, stating simply to Katara and Sokka that Yu is not the one. No, no, he is not. <laughs> yeah. Starting really, really light. Yes. With, uh, with Sokka's, Sokka's coming in strong with the funny, doing the shopping bit. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. It really is. Um, I like that you, that Master you, his uh, lesson was just uh, oh, yeah. taking a beating. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There, there was no uh, uh, tutelage in that lesson, if you will. <laughs> How does he, you know, who's going to say, oh, yeah, 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 I want more of that. Let me pay you. Yeah. After, after getting <clears throat> cultured by a boulder. Yeah. Um, obviously, this season so far has been all about the quest for the master. Uh, yeah. I like that, you know, it wasn't boomy. There, there was a split second where it could have been. It's like we're, we're inching our way. We're, we're right. making our way. And uh, it's kind of like we know it's imminent. Yeah, I like how they're building and, and they're showing examples of definitely not who Aang should be learning earthbending from. Mm, that's so, right. It's good. That is right. As the trio departs, they overhear two young men discussing Earth Rumble 6, an underground earthbending tournament. Intrigued, Aang asks them where they might find it, to which they sarcastically reply, it's on the island of Nunya. Nunya business! Uh, Sokka <laughs> loves the joke, and uh, Katara follows the two around a corner and forces the information out of them by freezing them to the wall with waterbending. Upon her return to Aang and Sokka, they ask, how she was able to get them to talk, to which she replies casually, oh, a girl has her ways. Uh, Confidence in Katara all of a sudden, yeah. This is a a favorite episode of mine and so many fans for so many reasons, most of which are obviously the character we're about to meet. But I love even here, you have these perfect characterizations of all three members of Team Avatar. You know, you have Sokka, you know, coming in hot with, with the sarcasm and the jokes and the funny. 
You have Katara being parental, but also being a total badass when she needs to. And Aang's just kind of there enjoying himself. It's just a really good job of these three seeing him like this in this town. Yeah. Uh, I love that there is a underground WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, like, what a great way, what, what a fun, fun way to meet uh, more Earthbenders in this world. You know, you don't see any remnants of the Fire Nation in any way. You know, a lot of these mm. Earth Kingdom villages that we've seen, you know, they're, they're, they're still kind of on edge and on their toes and, and or they're just not bending at all outside of Ba Sing Se, which we have yet to see, but we've heard is very, very protective. They named it too. I forget what it was called, like Gao Ling or Gao something. Gao Ling. I don't recall um, hearing that. Uh, <clears throat> all right. What a tournament. Uh, here at Earth Rumble 6 hidden venue, uh, it's an arena illuminated by a ceiling of glowing crystals. The trio finds seats in an area left vacant due to the threat of a haphazardly launched boulder. Uh, to Sokka's delight. The host, Shin Fu, explains the rules. Each contestant must knock the opponent out of the ring with earth bending to advance to the next round. In round one, the boulder battles the hippo and defeats him. Aang is largely unimpressed with the boulder, stating, Boomy said, I need a teacher who listens to the earth. He's just listening to his big muscles. Sokka, on the other hand, has become the boulder's newest fan. The next challenger is Fire Nation Man, who plays the role of a heel, a la the Iron Sheik, and sings their national anthem. However, he is swiftly defeated. After defeating all the challengers, the boulder has a chance to take on the Earth Rumble champion, the Blind Bandit. As she's escorted to the ring, Aang and his friends realize the champion is nothing more than a little blind girl, causing the boulder to state his reservations about fighting her. The blind bandit taunts him, saying it sounds as if he is scared. The boulder's reservations vanish, and he prepares to attack her. She taunts him again, calling him the pebble, and laughs to herself. As she laughs, Aang realizes she is the laughing girl from the vision he had in the swamp. The boulder is about to attack, but the blind bandit senses the vibrations his steps create in the ground and makes her move. She disrupts his first step, causing him to slip into a leg split as he screams in pain. The girl quickly and easily knocks the boulder out of the ring. Sokka is devastated, but Katara is amazed and wonders how she did it. Aang explains to Katara, she waited and listened. Well, boy, just let's talk about this WrestleMania fest. Yeah. Like, like just the WWE aspect. Uh, first awesome. battle, uh, who do we have in the first battle? It was uh, Hippo and the Boulder. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, obviously, the Boulder's the hero here. Uh, something that really interested me about Hippo is his teeth. I don't know if you made note of this. I watched it a few times. He has two teeth settings. Hippopotamus teeth. He has hippopotamus teeth, where it's just like four massive chompers with mm -hmm. like gaps in between them. He looks like a hippo. But then, like, he'll close his mouth and smile and have, like, a full row of teeth. It, it bothered me. Okay. Uh, Maybe it was they were funny. implants. Yeah. Well, nah, but, like, I, I feel like within the fight, he lost and regained and lost and regained. Right. Like, Maybe like it's, like, a weird earth-like teeth-bending technique or something. Like, they're retractable. I don't even know. That's teeth crazy. Bending. I don't know. 
Wait, have we? Wait, did we see the hippo smile, or did we only see the we rocker did, we did. smile? I, I mean, this is something okay. that we, we we would have to watch the fight in slow motion. But anyone yeah. who cares That's... to do that, uh, I believe <laughs> you will notice a separate set of wow. teeth at separate moments. It's okay. I laughed when he looked like a hippo. I laughed when uh, I thought there was a glitch. Uh, well, okay. Uh, here we have the boulder, who is just. I mean, if Saka ever had a. Uh, a machismo Jesus to look up to. I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. the boulder. Like this is who oh, yeah. Saka wishes he was. Yeah. Great way to describe him is uh, Saka's machismo Jesus. Yes. I mean, he is uh, fangirling hard. He is mm-hmm. literally, uh, and uh, I you mean, blame him. yeah, no, <laughs> you can't blame him at all. Uh, the boulders puns were fire. I mean, if, if there was ever a guy that, New Sokka's humor and uh, could connect with that. It was, is the boulder. Like, it's truly uh, amazing. It reminded me of this, like, early a season one uh, joke where he's like, I think it's the one episode of Boomy. It's like, oh, let's nickname him Rocky or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like the same uh, type of humor. It really, uh, it was awesome. Who voices the boulder? I, I, it sounds, I'm going to actually check this. It's right not now. him. It's not him, but it sounds just like him. Who, um, who yeah. While you do that, I'm just going to yeah. jump in and say that it's obvious that this is a, 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 a not, you're kidding. It's, hold on. I don't know who you say who you think it is. It's not The Rock, is it? No, no, it isn't. However, oh. however, it's Mick Foley. You're kidding me. No, dude, it's Mick fucking no Foley. No way. That's, that's cool. That's so cool as hell. That's um, really cool. Okay. Mick is both a comic and a wrestler, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Uh, so if there was a sack of machismo and humor, I mean, I feel like oh my uh, God. they captured it perfectly. I'm trying to decompress from that information. Yeah. Okay. So not only is Mick Foley voicing a badass underground wrestler in a WWE fashion tournament, but he's voicing a character that's a clear satire or parody i always get those two confused of the rock right even so far as to call him the boulder which is a synonym for rock you know and so it's basically mick foley doing his best rock impression and getting paid to do it yeah and that's awesome and i mean and someone who's like lived and written in smack talk wrestling puns i wonder if they've actually wrestled each other they might have i don't see why not i i feel Um, like they were both big figures at the same era like they had to have cross he might have been a little bit earlier but yeah you know they always have like no there was classic comebacks and yeah there's um we can we could say what we want about the live action series after all the news that's come down with mike and brian and yada 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 and there's a lot of reasons to not want to do it and i've you know we've posted about that but if they're if we're going to do it anyway if they're not going to try to cast dwayne johnson in this role hmm. for the live action series. I mean, Ooh. why even bother? It's just too perfect. That would be a dream. Mm-hmm. I believe the and moment has come. Yes. Uh, this new character is introduced, finally. Who, who do we have here coming over your shoulder? I don't know if you caught this. Uh, they, they, they have like badger moles as Zambonis to kind of clear up the playing field. <laughs> in between. That's cool. It was so cool. I mean, just really... Uh, a lot of detail. Amazing sequence of thought and detail and, and bravo on bringing us into this underground wrestling yeah. world. I mean, even the hanging lights are like some rock formation that glows. It's just 
Well, have, the idea that they have like a SeaWorld style splash zone for loose yeah, rocks and yeah. actual competitors that get flung is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, not endorsing SeaWorld, by the way. I think mm-hmm. that's awful. Mm-hmm. Just saying that that cool splash zone for, for loose rocks is really, really sweet. The Blind Bandit! <laughs> what up, Twinkle Toes? Hey. Um, so, yes, yes, yes. We all know who this is on the rewatch, but uh, the boulder is made to face last year's champion, the Blind Bandit. Now, if the Blind Bandit is last year's champion, and if the boulder is clearly active in this underground wrestling world, surely he knows better than to just think of her as some helpless blind girl. Am I right? You are. Yep. Uh, and it begs the question, is this it meant to be a lot closer in, in the way it's done to the WWE than we may have realized in terms of it all being staged mm-hmm. or that not? Is, well, that is a good question. Um, that is a good question indeed. Although when there's this much money... I don't know. And then you act like you're getting weaseled out for them not to have said, like, we had an agreement and then she did this. I don't, I don't think it's staged. Okay. I just, mm. maybe More on the he's, agreement later. Yeah, I apologize. I, I do wonder if maybe he's a big draw, but he just hadn't fought her before. He was somebody that got big in the last year. Could be. I don't know. Mm. Because all these guys seem very out of their depth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Uh, interesting, right? Uh, um, the way Toph sees with her feet is really cool. You know, it's, it, it's amazing how they make her look as planned and purposeful as she is when she does things. And, you know, it's all calculated and it's all really, really funny and, and smart and, and, and great. I mean, she has the perfect dig to say to everybody. Um, yeah. She's like a more badass, more capable daredevil. Mm. And she's funny. The way that they draw you in with this animation style. No, it's so awesome. Cause like on the surface, I, blindness would be uh, a disability. Yeah. Or, and uh, clearly here, it's almost like a superpower to, to, to multiply the heightened senses that you get with losing one with bending, you know, powers yeah. is, is yeah. And just uh it's a superpower. It really is. Uh, yeah. What a great, uh, you mentioned her humor. Obviously she disses rock or boulder calling mm-hmm. him the pebble mm-hmm. and laughs causing to trigger to ang to that vision in the swamp. Flawless, oh, yeah. flawless, uh, just way to tie everything up there in it's the, very yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, clearly ang knows who, uh, who she is, huh? Yeah. Yeah. She waited and listened. Um, mm-hmm. After retaining her title belt, Shin Fu offers a bag of gold pieces to any spectator who can defeat the blind bandit. After a brief moment of silence, Aang jumps into the ring. The blind bandit taunts him, calling him a little girl as Aang tries to explain that he doesn't want to fight. Rather, he wants to talk. Sokka boos him as she begins <laughs> to fight anyway. Aang uses his airbending, drifting above the floor of the ring to evade her. She is unsettled by her sudden inability to track him. Aang speaks to her, and she, finding his position, immediately throws a large rock at him. 
He deflects it with a blast of airbending, but in the process, he accidentally pushes her out of the ring, therefore winning the match. Aang rushes to catch the blind bandit, telling her he thinks she is supposed to be his earthbending teacher. Upset by her loss, she quickly departs from the stadium and tells him to leave her alone. Disappointed, Aang collects the gold pieces and belt. What a disappointment that must be. Um, when she leaves the ring, the fact that she like closes a door behind her by literally slamming a rock mm, wall closed mm. is so awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really uh, enjoyed this fight scene. I actually, I watched it three times. Uh, it oh, yeah. really is something, if you just to go back and see how his, his foot movement, it's, it's really uh, amazing. He's light on his feet. And, and just as he's lifting the blind, I mean, she is in fact blind. That That is the one mm-hmm. thing that like, she is blind if you are airborne. So it's important to note, yeah. You know, she's just capable of, of anything and can counter anything. And it's like, no, well, here's airbending. This is a counter to her. Because mm. once you feel like she's some superpower, you know, she's overcome it so True. well. It's amazing. Uh, even the great Toph has kryptonite. Uh, the next day, the trio head to Master Yu's Earthbending Academy in search of the blind bandit. Katara tries her intimidation tactics again on the young man that she froze the day before, but they lack the information she wants. Aang realizes they are asking about the wrong person. He describes the girl from his vision as wearing a white dress and having a pet flying boar. The young men do not recognize the description, but they do know a local family whose symbol is a flying boar, the Bay Fong family. The trio leaves to investigate. Back at the arena, the boulder tells Shin Fu that there was no earthbending involved, in the defeat of the blind bandit, leaving him to believe she took a dive and split the money with the challenger. Enraged, Shin Fu decides to hunt her down. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, dude. Okay. Uh, amazing that uh, it's the uh, the flying boar and not the girl that is the uh, the uh, thing that connects Aang to finding her. It's it's as if the spirit world gave her just the right imagery and that every piece had a meaning. You, you couldn't have said it better. You know, you'd think that for a kid's show, a, a vision would be pretty, pretty blatant and whatever it matched would be like obvious in, in one go when you saw it. Mm-hmm. And here they have multiple elements. At first I felt like it was kind of small world, you know, oh, they just happen to know. But if you think about the way that the class divisions are and, and the most powerful, wealthiest family, has this symbol. I mean, how common is it to kind of a brand nowadays with, you know, a symbol correlating to Elon Musk or a symbol correlating to Mark Zuckerberg, you yeah. know, something like that. It these makes are, sense. Yeah. These are kingdoms. It's, it's not uncommon to have a family crest. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, link that. yeah, the uh, arena action later where Boulder tells Shin Fu, um, listen, I actually on my first watch of this for this recording, didn't pay close attention to the fight. That's why I rewatched it a couple more times. Uh, and was like actually convinced it might have been earthbending. Obviously, it's clearly airbending that Aang used. Uh, but, but, but nice that someone else caught on. You know what I mean? It, it would have been yeah. just like a bit of a too easy for right. Aang to earthbend unnoticed. And, and again, it's, it's another good example of that everybody arriving where they do, when they do, makes sense. 
-hmm. And this is a great beat of these guys realizing that. I do want to mention, I forgot about it earlier, in, in re-encountering those guys that um, Katara had frozen earlier, mm. that's also when we get one of the most notorious and best GIFs, GIFs, however you say it, from Sokka when he goes, what a try. Um, so I want to give that a shout out because yeah. that's freaking awesome. Totally, and, totally. Uh, yeah. All right. The trio arrives at the heavily guarded Beifong estate. They head around back and climb over the outer wall into a gardened area. Suddenly, the trio is thrust into the air by the earth beneath them. The blind bandit, now dressed in an elegant dress similar to the clothes she wore in Aang's vision, confronts Aang, using the nickname Twinkletoes. Asking him why he has come, Aang and his friends explain that he is the Avatar and that he needs an earthbending teacher. After they refuse to leave her alone, the blind bandit calls the guards, forcing the trio to leave. The guards arrive and escort her inside, revealing her name to be Toph. Over Ooh. the wall, yeah, Toph. Over the wall, Aang sneakily smiles to himself as he forms an idea of what to do next. Okay. Uh, a bit about the Beifong estate. My God, yeah. is it a nice uh, palatial manor? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, it, it, I don't know what the, if it's a monarchy, if it's a feudal system, but, but they have some sort of... Uh, nobility. Yeah, yeah, there's like a title of nobility without knowing that they are like like when the, we meet the parents it almost looks like they're sitting on a throne uh but they're not king and queen per se yeah they are very reminiscent of the of the um governor and governess of omashu when it had mm. been taken over by the fire nation yeah right down to the well we'll find out soon but right down to the kidnapping yeah. um yeah, I also love, I mean, obviously, again, Sokka just being great, telling, hey, don't respond to Twinkle Toes. It's not, it's not manly. Yeah. Um, and then you and I were talking very briefly before we, before we started recording. You know, I started speculating, maybe it's more than just a kind of fun, mean nickname that, you know, that, 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 that's just teasing Aang that Top gives him. But for all we know, we, we know that she sees by feeling things. And we know that it's not just her sense of touch that's enhanced by her being blind. It's all five, you know, it's all four of the other senses. So maybe, you know, when his feet kind of touch the ground so lightly, she actually does hear some sort of a twinkle in the toes. I don't know. It's yeah. amazing. Dude, a twinkle obviously can be a star. Like it's a visual as much as, as well. Yeah. And uh, she does see visual things. So like maybe just like if the camera were to close up on uh, Aang's, Little toes, little stars. <laughs> in in, in tough vision, it'd be a little yeah. little monsoon of stars. Just, but uh, I also I, I I love just I just want to cut you off about top vision. Mm -hmm. Um, how top vision always kind of looks like a like an Andy Warhol party, where yeah. it's just these black and white rings expanding, just this huge trip. All right, yeah. that's all, sorry. We we just we were missing that baseline, like bang, yeah, bang. yeah, dude. I I see it. It's amazing. And that was our first Twinkle Toast. I mean, we, we, yeah, it was our first Yeah, we, we, we always like to shout out our firsts here on the yeah. uh, boys. Uh, and we also have Aang doing these like mm -hmm. funny like skeevy fingers, which is always yeah. fun to see because we rarely see that. Oh, Mr. Brown's excellent finger. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's up to something. He mm -hmm. knows what to do next. Toph's father and mother are meeting with Master Yu to confirm that she's not trying anything too dangerous in her earthbending lessons. 
and Master Yu assures them that he is kept off at the basic level, avoiding anything too dangerous. A servant comes in to tell them a visitor has come. They're initially angered at the thought of someone arriving this late unannounced until the servant mentions the visitor is the Avatar, much to Toph's agitation. At dinner, Aang, Katara, Sokka, and Master Yu have joined Toph and her family. Toph is served hot soup, and her father tells the servant to blow on it, but Aang uses airbending to cool it, causing those in attendance to clap. Toph's father asks Aang how long he feels the Hundred Years' War will continue. Aang explains he hopes to defeat the Fire Lord by summer. He is still, he tells them, in need of an earthbending teacher. Although Master Yu is mentioned as a candidate for Aang's teacher by Toph's father, Aang attempts to bring up the possibility of Toph as his teacher instead, but she hits Aang's foot with earthbending under the table to try to keep him quiet. Aang tries to reveal Toph's secret identity, but she earthbends his chair forward, causing his face to smash into his soup. Not to be outdone, Aang returns the favor with an airbending enhanced sneeze, throwing Toph's soup onto her, as well as Master Yu and Toph's mother. Toph and Aang start to argue as Toph's mother suggests they move to the living room for a dessert. Okay. Uh, there's food fights, and then there's food fights that, cr- that, are, that are bending food uh, fights. That's pretty intense. Yes. Uh, I suppose Katara could have done some interesting uh, antics with the liquid soup were she to have gotten involved, but uh, this is not about Katara, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the, the, the just... Meeting the Toffs or the Beifongs, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're the Toffs. Come on, yeah, meet, meet the Toffs. Everything, yeah, yeah, it's just like you know, they, they you understand that. Oh, it's dinner time. We can't be like it's a very formal home. Like we 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 know they're quasi royalty in this uh, town or province, what have you. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's really cool. There's this line, and I hope I'm bringing it at the right time. Uh, he says, my daughter is blind. She is tiny and blind and helpless and fragile. All right, well, I'll start. All right, saving it. (laughs) But what you're getting to about the parents being completely oblivious Uh to her true abilities is pretty wild. And that's, you know, it's obviously a metaphor for the way people can underestimate handicapped people without knowing how capable and incredible they truly are. This is obviously a much more personalized you know, version. Yeah. No, parents who you are... got this sense of, uh, oh, you have to blow on the soup. It's dangerous. Oh, you mm-hmm. got to like put them in a plastic bubble. Uh, They're very coddling. I mean, I, I mentioned it, but this, this, uh, this foot battle, I mean, it was like playing footsie under the table, but, but, you yeah. know, more, more combative, of course. Uh, beautifully done. Just, just the amazingness of the display of her talent. Uh, and uh, Aang's, Aang's really cool, like, cooling the soup with the little tornado. Was it awesome. was like him spinning the marbles. It was a little, a little how do you do, parlor trick, yeah. Uh, it was cool. Yeah, cool. And the mom is just kind of so, like, almost hilariously one note as, like, the noble, the nobleman's wife who's just there to not create a burden and follow, yeah. you know, along and just keep everything civil. <laughs> and, like, yeah. she gets food splashed on her. Okay, let's go have dessert. <laughs> yeah. Uh love that stuff. Uh later, Saka, Katara, and Aang are getting ready for bed as guests of Toph's family. Aang in his room is surprised by the sudden appearance of Toph. 
As Aang jumps into a defensive stance, she calls a truce. The two of them walk the grounds of her family's estate while she explains to him that even though she was born blind, she had never, she never had a problem seeing due to earth bending. She sees with her feet. Aang is amazed, but Toph claims that her parents don't understand, often treating her as hopeless. Toph envies Aang's carefree life, but knows she has commitments to her family that prevent her from leaving to join him. Suddenly, she says the two are being ambushed. Shinfu and his wrestlers, the boulder, the hippo, fire nation man, the gopher, the gecko, and the headhunter, attack and metal cages are dropped on Aang and Toph, capturing them. A ransom note is left demanding 500 gold pieces for the safe return of their daughter. Toph's father enlists Master Yu's help, and Sokka and Katara join them. Okay, so uh, they call a truce. Yeah. Which is nice. Pretty nice (laughs) that, you know, listen, Aang's a pacifist. Toph is uh, hanging with the Avatar, even if her life is, you gotta take a walk along the the water there. I mean, what what a nice estate to, to take a truce on. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, she realizes the importance of what he represents, not only to teach him and save everyone, but the opportunity to potentially get out of there. And you can see just how constricting and limiting her life is. I love how even to her parents, Avatar is like the ultimate name drop. You know, because they're just like, how dare somebody interrupt us? And it's like, well, this was the Avatar. And I think even if she is a rebellious young kid, she sees the kind of respect that he commands from her parents. And, you know, she wants to do something. I think also just hearing like her wealthy parents talk about, oh, how long do you think the Hundred Year War is going to keep going? Almost like, well, when do you think the stock market's going to go back up uh, again? Like, it's such an afterthought. It's like talking about the weather. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, what the hell? Like, this is a hundred most people are are homeless refugees who are desperately trying to just cling on to hope and survive this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of emblematic of a lot of the wealthy elite and, and you know, during a lot of conflicts. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a part of Toph that also just wants to do what she can and not kind of fall, fall prey to the same lifestyle and belief system. Definitely, man. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, what perfect... Uh yin and yang of ang who is carefree i mean he has zero supervision parental uh restraint oh, yeah. kind of uh you know <laughs> disciplinarian in his life uh and katara who who is desperate to live i mean it, it's almost like uh he, she needed a balance and 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 when you're at such an extreme position it makes sense that she would join the team um yeah. 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 And then and then this capture, I just want to say again, talk about being detailed. Mm-hmm. They don't just you know, you'd think, oh, capturing the avatar and Toph, like how how plain and dumb, like you know, how how could that be possible? We've seen her already. And you realize that they they knew to use a distraction with like the mole guy, whatever, popping out of the earth mm-hmm. to for her to see, and they got her the same way that Aang defeated her by being light of foot, they got her with an aerial attack. And it's like kind of the only way that she wouldn't see it coming. And it's how they managed to capture them perfectly. So just kudos again, like every beat in this episode pretty much is earned. There was that one thing about like the boulder not recognizing it, but 
there could be a lot of reasons for that. Absolutely. All right. They arrive at the arena with the ransom, and Toph is released. When Katara asks about Aang, Shin Fu states he plans to return to the Avatar over to the Fire Nation for a large reward. What, what, what? He is flanked by all the wrestlers who threaten them as they leave. Katara runs after Toph as she leaves, asking for her assistance. Her father protests, saying, Toph is blind, tiny, helpless, and fragile, which causes Toph to reject her father and assist them. Toph heads uh, back into the arena and creates a spike in front of the wrestlers who are trying to leave. Demanding Aang's release, the Earthbenders begin to attack, and Toph tells Sokka and Katara to leave them to her. Using some of the most badass earthbending the series has ever delivered, Toph defeats each opponent almost effortlessly to the shock and amazement of Lao and Master Yu. Finally, Toph faces off against Shin Fu and sends him flying into the wall, prompting Master Yu to declare her the greatest earthbender he has ever seen. Whew! Um, so let's start with this release. Uh, it's it's okay, fine. Sneak attack. He holds up the wanted poster. Uh, you know, I, I he you are the only airbender, so uh, it's only natural to cause some attention. But if you think he might have been an airbender using airbending, then your theory that he was in cahoots with Toph all along, who may have taken a dive, is called into question. Am I wrong? Yeah. Hmm. You're not wrong. No, I just thought of that on the fly. Interesting. Um, for one way or another, he seems to, maybe he just recognized the image on the poster. Who knows? Uh, right. I can't dwell on it too much without going into conspiracy zone. Uh, but, uh, okay, fine. A little bait and switch. He keeps the avatar. And the father's, just this fucking expression from the father. She's blind and tiny and helpless and fragile and frail. And her bones are made of glass. It's the worst. <laughs> it's it's the like, worst. oh my God, you're eating a dead horse. Dude. Like, like, in I front know. of her. Like, dude, she's it's, standing right there. Um, I mean, I get that he doesn't know the extent of it, but still, to just not even consider dude. anything. Um, his, uh, his royal life must be just so removed from her. Like, you know, yeah. they must see each other only at the dinner table. Exactly. And, and what better way to yeah, uh, show convince her to go back and help than talk like that to her? I mean, that'll get her to be like, all right. Screw off. I'm doing this. Yeah. And that shot, obviously you could tell that's something that I added in yeah. to the write-up on the on the wiki. But that the whole thing, the, yeah, like, the shot of a horde of badass earthbenders coming at her and she just says to the others, all she does is go, wait, they're mine. Mm-hmm. And just everything about that scene. The like drum kicking up the energy. Yeah, like her sly grin, yeah. the hand movements her feet moving like Toph is the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, she's so good. She's so awesome. And the sequence, the, the effortlessness, the, the bouncing from one foe to another. And these aren't just like, you know, Ninja Turtle foot soldiers or stormtroopers. No. They're each well-defined, unique, talented uh, wrestlers who have personas and special attacks. Uh, unbelievable sequence. She did that move at the end when she's on the earth plate and there's two on one and a third member swinging in and recognizing that. First of all, I don't know how she recognized the swing unless he said something. I don't remember. Mm. Maybe she heard it. Um, 
and she knows to like turn the entire wheel kind of yeah. and have him knock into them and oh it's all just so gorgeous so good yeah really well done you basically as a, a you know a superhero blind bandit earth bending master like toff uh you basically can control everything that is not airborne or liquid <laughs> it, it, it's just like the, the the space the scenery the whole this stuff can be uh with enough discipline and bending mastery yours to manipulate and that is just it's unreal in, uh, insane like we 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 learn about the true power of earth bending you know what i mean it's not about building up rocks and statues and holes and it's it's insane well and that's what i love too about this fight is that you see so many different kinds of earth bending you see like him sticking his hand into the dirt and having it turn into almost like quicksand when he does yep and then using that to flip you have other people literally lifting the ground up. You have others just taking rocks or making different size rocks or putting it up as, into a point and turning it into a shield, turning it into a door. I mean, you, you see all elements of earthbending mm-hmm. in this episode. Not in this episode, in this two-minute fight sequence. I yeah. mean, they're really, amazing. Yeah. Um, there's one more type of earthbending that we are introduced to. I, I, I want to add one to your list. Dust cloud bending. Because Toph, what is dust if not earth? Blinder. Yeah. And her ability to create wow, the cloud, and then yeah. like there's this one point in the fight where she's like, whoosh, and like it almost looks like she's air bending the dust away, but she has no air bending powers. She right. Looks, you know what I mean? Wow. Like rewatch well, and, that. And scene. she creates that initially with whatever yeah. rock so, she does to create the whole line. dust cloud bending is uh, wow. another quiver in her uh, quiver holder. I, I was so good with the vocabulary. Another arrow in her quiver. Yeah. Thank you. Ugh. It's all right. It was there. Um, you do quiver. That's the hardest uh, one. True, true. Uh, so yeah, oh. dude, dust cloud. That was earth bending, uh, and, and making it come and go as flawless. One last thing about this arena before we leave it. Um, it's actually from way back in the fight, but when they go in and you see the glowing crystals on the ceiling, kind of leading the way down this mm-hmm. tunnel in, in a hidden entrance, it's it's a repeat of the cave of two lovers when they use glowing crystals to lead the yeah. way. And again, I'm realizing that it's building to a huge aspect of glowing crystals leading the way that's to come at the very end of book two. Mm. And they're planting this stuff in these episodes, so it's not a brand new thing. If we were to like methodically note every breadcrumb, every, and we could write a encyclopedia. We'd have a Boys in the Iceberg podcast. There it is. Yeah. But yeah, dude, even though this Master Lou, or, or you, you, is saying the best earthbending he's ever seen, that dad's like, he's just blind and fried. Like, like, it doesn't even change his way of thinking no, we'll, one iota. We'll but, get there. We'll get uh, there. We have to get there first. Back at home, Toph tries to explain her secret identity to her parents, hoping it will not upset them. However, they jump to the conclusion that the freedom they gave her allowed her to put herself into danger. They decide Toph has had too much freedom and must be confined and guarded from now on. Aang, Katara, and Sokka are forced out of the house, and Toph sheds tears for losing the possibility of gaining friends and what little freedom she had left. As they prepare to leave on Appa, Toph comes running up, telling them her father has changed his mind. Toph knocks Aang into the air as payback for knocking her off the stage. After the championship battle, he lands in a tree. Toph requests the championship belt back, and Sokka, forgetting that Toph is blind, 
tosses it down to her. <laughs> the belt hits her on the head, and she falls to the ground. Sokka sheepishly apologizes, Aang falls out of a tree. Boom! Back <sighs> in the home. I mean, we, we, I, it was two seconds early, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, the master is saying the best earthbender ever. The dad is saying, what? She she clearly had too much freedom. It's it's giving off vibes of like Harry Potter even, yeah. except here he's he's doing it out of a weird sense of protection, and the other you know in Harry Potter they're just they're just kind of haters who are afraid of magic and and have yeah. a great disdain for it and keep them in a freaking closet. But it's the idea of having somebody that you're supposed to be supervising and encouraging in life, literally keeping them restricting them from reaching their potential whenever possible, yeah. and going out of your way to just hamper them. And it's a good thing he changed his mind the way mm-hmm. he did to leave, yeah. to let Toph go with the Avatar. Mm-hmm. No, no follow-up questions in that interaction. No, uh, I love uh, that. This tear on Toph's face. She, she mentions that in her isolation, she's had no friends. And like, dude, she's 12. Uh, her, her only life in this outside world is in this like wrestling arena and these people are not her friends. Uh, that's what hurts most for her. Like, like not the, no, no one seems to think about the need to uh, stop this, uh, you know, Fire Lord and Force Nelson's Comet. It's really her mm-hmm. friendship. She doesn't have friends at all. It, it's wild that she's as socially adept and, and clever as she is, you know, being able to like mm. throw shade at people yeah. and all that with no friends to really help her. She's done everything on her own. Well, we do know that she made other friends that are more animal friends, and we'll hear about it down the road. Sure. But that pure connection to, to kids your own age and having experiences with them is, is so important. It truly is. Uh, my God, I think there's uh, one thing I'm just, you know, getting, getting back into the Toph vision here. Um, so we as the audience, when Toph joins the gang at the end, my dad changed his mind, whatever, uh, request the belt back from Sokka. <laughs> And we as the audience had seen Sokka, like, you know, polishing it or he was wearing it. Uh, Toph didn't see, like, uh, I mean, meaning Toph could see that he was wearing it by it being connected to the earth by. So it's just like she saw everything but when it was floating in air. It's just a reminder of her blindness and how it works vis-a-vis her bending ability and the ability to see things. The blind bandit. Okay. Uh, so Toph's father, uh, fine. I, I, I get you can pay people to, to find your daughter. Uh, he believes the Avatar has, you know, been kidnapped and that Toph's... I, I feel like he has part of this bossing say madness. He gets all his information from inside those walls and, like, can't uh, see anything other than uh, what he has to see. You know, it's... Uh, he- he relies on the status quo, staying the status quo and remaining unchecked. And mm-hmm. I think that extrapolates itself into his personal life and the way that he views himself as a parent. Yeah. Everything has to stay as is under his control. You know, no risk taking, no putting yourself in danger, putting your name in danger. Um, yeah. And then you and Fu, that'll be an interesting pairing. I love, you know, I, I, I almost wish that they would like jointly create some kind of a mercenary Mm. gang together yeah. and for all their potential clients or victims i should say they should be like hey there's a phone call it's for you 
It's Fu Yu. I mean, here's the thing though. Even if even if they're not the Avatar, I think that Katara and Sokka at this point have been seen with the Avatar enough and have done enough damage themselves to the mm-hmm. Fire Nation mm-hmm. that I have a feeling they need to keep moving also. I think yeah. that if they got caught by the Fire Nation, don't forget she's also responsible for an entire group of prisoners escaping mm-hmm. from yeah. the Earth Kingdom. That's you know, so they've done a lot. Yeah. So we'll so, see. Hey. Now we got even more people on Team Avatar's tail as our trio becomes a quartet. Magical. Yes, and, love uh, that. All God. the members of Team Avatar are now, well, I shouldn't, well, mm, yeah. for book two, mm. for book two, Team Avatar is complete. Uh, and I love it. a little sign language Z here, but you know who I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, but that's, let's, let's not, yes. for book two, for all intents and purposes. I mean, dude, he has his earthbending master. Those two, whoosh. That'll be a good one. They they are not done. Dude, it's kind of it reminded me of this motif throughout the uh Avatar saga that is uh chasing. Okay. There's just there's always someone on your tail. People is all really, with the exception of Sokka and Katara, everyone's kind of gotta keep moving. Like they can't, you know, there's a sense that they just gotta if it wasn't for the, the Zuko and Zhao's and Azula's chasing Aang, he might be, you know, jumping around on Kangaroo Island for for 10 times longer. Like, there, there's... Uh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, yes. And with that, we He's wrap traveling up. traveling with both masters. Yeah. Unbelievable. Two masters down, one to go. Uh, we wrap up the blind bandit. And then, oh my God, just uh, a friggin' episode, man. Truly best. one of the best. And... Uh, I mean, we, we, we were talking about this a little earlier, but the fact that uh, the next episode is bookending this is just masterful. We're, 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 uh, we'll, we'll save it for the next one. Uh, yeah. Closing thoughts, Jeff. Anything we missed? Was, Anything else you want to touch or just say how awesome it is? Just in case you felt like someone or something was missing from this episode, mm. just you wait for the next episode because you're going to yeah. get it. This was one of the single greatest character introduction episodes ever ever in any Um, tv series ever everything about toph is amazing mm -hmm. and the potential for her character is through the roof and the fact that they're going to like to set the bar as high as they have when you first meet her is what you want to do as a writer but it's also a little worrying because now you're going to have to match that intensity if not amplify it from this point forward you know because, or, or else there's nowhere to go but, but, but down if you don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, it's great. Every episode is, is a bit, you know, not that, yes, there are fillers here and there sometimes, I'll but from here we go. Now that, now the top's on board, it's just smooth freaking sailing. Not for our heroes, but just for entertainment value of every single episode from here on out is just uh-huh. the best. Mm. Unbelievable. It really, really is. Um, and this, this whole wrestling world, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on Mick and Mick Foley. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's so cool. And The Rock obviously is the boulder. Probably couldn't yeah. pay his fee 15, 20 years ago, whatever. Uh, I was going to say, this is when he was at his peak wrestling years. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, dude, it is maybe the best episode of the show. Ooh, it's too early to have this conversation. It's in there. It's, 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 it's in there. This and the one, and you said it already, like the fact that these episodes the one that follows this one follows this mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. just back to back episodes being this quality is like, it's like Christmas. It's, it's, one, it's awesome. That's coming from a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, dude, it, it's just amazing. Uh, 
the fact that we learned that it really was dust cloud bending. I mean, the uh, yeah, dude. I I think you know, bring it back full circle. Uh, this whole journey of finding the Earth bending master was when uh, Boomy said you have to find someone who waits and listens before they strike. And uh, it, the first line Aang says to Toph is, please listen. I need an earthbending teacher and I think it's supposed to be you. Uh, it's, it's, it's just uh, oh, yin and yang, love and awesomeness. This show is beautiful. And uh, this yeah. episode is just 10 out of 10. Uh, Absolutely. Would recommend thumbs up. All right, uh, <laughs> love. This was awesome. Yeah. Uh, look, we and, and what an awesome episode we have for the next one. So Amen. that wraps up another episode of the Boys in the Iceberg. Woo! Well, be sure to follow the Boys in the Iceberg on Instagram and Twitter, and you could find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. Thank you for listening. Good night. Flamio, Hotman.